Jabroni, J-A-B-R-O-N-I-X-Y-Z-A-B-C. Oh, it doesn't matter, you spell Jabroni. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast. The second bonus snacker episode after WrestleMania Night 2. I'm joined by my incomparable tag team partner, Jeremy Loss. Jay, how you doing? I'm still coming down after the uh, the Funhouse match. That was <laughs> like taking acid. That was wild. That was so, uh I'm still kind of like it, it affected my my viewing experience of Drew versus Brock. So it really I'm did still coming down from it. That was absolutely wild. All right, let's we're gonna do this uh, a similar setup to how we did it last night after WrestleMania night one. We're just gonna isolate the the matches that we like the most. Uh frankly, we didn't like them all. And we'll talk about whether we like night one or night two better. So let's start at the top. I think one of the matches that we wanted to talk about from the get-go, Charlotte, Rhea Ripley, a really, really, really good match. Um, was yep. it, I was a little bit surprised by the result. I know you were not, but I just thought the way they were setting this up was for Rhea to just be this the next megastar and to kind of be taking the torch from Charlotte because Charlotte will probably, in, in my head anyway, I figured she was going to win multiple championships down the road. Um, and and this would have been a great way to put Rhea over. Clearly, I was wrong, and Rhea just straight up tapped out to the figure eight. But after a fantastic, fantastic match. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The the match itself was awesome. Uh, they told a really good story. I thought both of them worked really well. Um, I, I talked about this uh, on our preview episode that like I just didn't feel that Charlotte was going to job to Rhea at WrestleMania. I could see her doing it at like money in the bank or extreme rules at a smaller pay-per-view but not a wrestlemania um so for me this sets up as Rhea chasing either charlotte or maybe we have Rhea move over to raw and she chases becky uh that could be interesting that's that's actually a Um, great point and then you have bianca to be thrown in here like there's there's possibilities of where this could go now that are very very interesting um because if Rhea won you were going to get Rhea versus probably eo um and then it became kind of dry as to what could be interesting in nxt now with charlotte you have you're gonna get charlotte probably against eo because i think eo is gonna win the ladder match on wednesday um and then you have charlotte bianca which would be incredible um and then you can have Rhea kind of come back into the picture for um a pay-per-view or or down the line maybe at SummerSlam. so uh it opens up some interesting possibilities um i don't think this was a, a sign that they don't believe in in Rhea. Um, I think it's quite the opposite. I think they really do believe in Maria. And I mean, the match showed that she has incredible talent. I just don't think Charlotte was ready to job. And, and that's that's kind of my my thought process. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at it, I didn't think she was going to job necessarily. It was just they had just put the title on Rhea, right? And that short of a title run, it, there's it always feels like an asterisk. On, on the whole thing. So that's why I just thought there was no way that they could they could do that to Rhea this early if they were going to be dubbing her like the next person the next 
person to be. So, I mean, that being said, you're right. It does open the possibilities of where she can go from here. And that Mm is in of itself very, very exciting. Um, You also have to think about it that NXT has consistently lost the ratings war to AEW. Sure. And now you have a bona fide superstar, the greatest women's wrestler of all time, on your program defending a belt against some new fresh challengers that she hasn't wrestled before. That's going to bring eyeballs. That's going to make NXT a little bit more of a watchable product in comparison to AEW. So I think this is a smart business decision as well. Yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. Like, I think if AEW has any weakness, it is their women's division right now. And I think WWE sees that as well. And they're they're jumping on in. So I, I respect that move. And I, I do think that they can milk another Rhea Charlotte match out of this. Right. Like, I don't think they Definitely. used everything in their repertoire. So that that in of itself is, again, very, very exciting. And then one last thing to, to kind of touch on this before we we move on is this. I think this also opens up the possibility of more top line stars moving or at least taking part in NXT. I mean, obviously we had Finn go down a little while ago, but now you have Charlotte who is the cream of the crop of the women's division showing that she's willing to work with NXT talent. That's going to open the doors for more quote unquote main roster talent to to start interacting with NXT, maybe going to show up on Wednesdays, having more NXT talent show up on Monday and, and Friday. So, um, I think it's it's an interesting possibility here. Um, I think the future is still very very bright for Rhea. So I, I'm, like I said, I, I just didn't think Charlotte was ready to job. So let's move on to the next one that we wanted to talk about, which was, um, Christ, my brain just died. Edge versus uh, our, uh, Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, it died because uh, you were thinking about it too long. Just like the match went it went way yeah, that too match long. Was- 20 minutes too long. That was... Uh, so, time so- out. That match legit went 36 minutes. It was... Easily a- the longest match of the weekend. No, not even close. Like, by far, it was the longest match of the weekend. It was basically an episode of Tiger King and a little bit less compelling. <laughs> just just a smidge. <laughs> um, it... By the end, I was into it. I, you know, one of the things I do agree with, uh, one of the, the criticisms anyway, was that there was a lot of the same thing just in different parts of the performance center, right? right? Like that, the you know, a lot of clubbing over the back, uh, over the chest, putting them on top of some inanimate object and maybe figure out a way to kind of use the environment uh, as offense. But, you know, it, it didn't really mean much until they got to the top of the truck where you're like, okay, now someone can really get hurt. Like I didn't believe anyone could really get hurt in the conference room. I don't care if there's a cage up there. That's freaking cool. Yeah. Who might I whoever, say? No. No, we need to speak on this. Whoever did the interior design for that conference room is that we got a problem. They're That's crazy. The weirdest design I've ever seen. In that my person life. is crazy because they were they were clearly looking at the room. They're like, oh, you know, Triple H can be at the head of this table. When Vince comes in, he can sit on this end. And they looked up and they were like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think we, we cage. I think here. we could put a cage up <laughs> here. And you know, probably Triple H or Stephanie weren't working that day. <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, all right, whatever. Let's put it up there. We're, we're just going to put the cage. Uh, but that, you know, at least we got a, we got a nice little tour of the WWE Performance Center. I, there right. were aspects of that. Like the gym, I, I've, I've seen that plenty of times kind of in, in, uh, in NXT promo packages or, you know, just kind of behind the scenes Performance Center stuff. Hadn't seen the rest of the, uh, the Performance Center, so I at least was glad to get that. The match itself... I think I enjoyed it more 
than most people. I think, like, I do agree it was way too long. Like, 36 minutes for that, it was just unnecessary. And it just, they could have achieved it, like you said, in probably 16 minutes. It just reminded me of Batista Triple H from last year, where you're giving the older guys the longest time to do a no-hold-bar or last-man-standing match, and it's a lot of the same shit, and it's just not as... For one, it's not as stiff as it could be. Right. Like a lot of the other, like Becky and, and Shayna was a lot more hard hitting than this match. Right. And that's fine because Edge is obviously in a, situ- in, in a situation where you don't want to see him taking some serious bumps. But like there were stiffer matches out there um, and, and people working pretty snug. And, and, and then you have this match where it just wasn't all that compelling. They were doing a lot of the same shit. Um, we did get that, like you said, we did get the nice tour of the performance center, but. <laughs> I just felt like they could have cut it at least by 20 minutes. I mean, if they wanted to do this whole match and then go in and just edit it out here and there later in post, like that would have been fine. Uh, It just, it lost a lot of its luster. I thought the beginning was pretty solid. Uh, But once we started getting into like the conference rooms and in the back state, like in the backpack where they were like all the supplies and all that kind of stuff, I was like, I'm a little over this. And then they did the hanging DDT on the back the truck and i don't like seeing that spot with edge considering he has neck problems so let's let's talk about that though because like i understand your point and like i think we went through this when dan o'brien first came back right like any head shot that he took any head spot any head bump we were like oh you cringe a little bit but like so i watched i still got to finish it i watched watched half of edges um his 24 or the whatever documentary is airing on wwe network i know you watched the whole thing Mm -hmm. and You know, one, he talked about how, you know, the second surgery he had, I believe it was, it it was after he retired, right? It was in 2012. Right. So he has that. And all of a sudden he talked about how his, the headache that he had suffered that he didn't realize he had was gone. Right. So there, there is that where he's just like, look, I've clearly fixed something. It was like the C4 bone. I'm, I'm, I'm probably misremembering, um, what, what bones exactly were fixed or what nerves or whatever. So there is that, right? Like he wouldn't have done, and, and which leads me to my second point of he wouldn't be putting himself in these spots if he didn't. Like I'm sure he got it cleared by the doctors. Vince and Triple H made him get cleared by the doctors. Like there, there had to be many, many steps for this to have been done in order for it to have been done safely. Because the last thing they need is like in the middle of a coronavirus era in the middle of the coronavirus era of wwe the last thing they need is like one of their best ever to re-injure his neck in in a match like this so like i see i see what you're saying but at the same time like it's an unnecessary risk like you could like doing a ddt in a ring is i mean there's you can protect it a little bit more but you're doing it in the back of a truck like what if orton slipped or something like that something unforeseen happened in an, in an environment that you're not practicing in on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like there's, sure. there's so much more room for error in that situation that I don't think is necessary. Um, even with like edge jumping off the ladder, like I don't want to see that stuff. Like he even talked about in the 24, like his matches aren't going to be as uh, violent or as like crazy. Like he was like, I'm never going to go through a flying or, or uh, a table on fire sure. with thumbtacks again. Like, my story, my matches are going to be telling stories with a little bit more nuance. And I felt like they were trying to do things over the edge that they really didn't need to do. Um, I thought that there could have been a lot more nuance in this match. 
um, and it just failed on every aspect for me. And um, yeah, that, that's that's fair. Like I, I see what you're saying. I, I just think ultimately, you know, he he wouldn't have done anything where he felt like like he'd put in too much work to that point where he he would have put himself in a position to re-injure himself in a right. in a you know. Now, in a let me ask you this: like, way. do you think this match was benefited or hurt by the fact that there was no crowd and that this was at the at the performance center? As opposed to Raymond James Stadium, I think it would have been a better match with a crowd. Is my gut because I think they would have had to work differently. I think a lot of the match would have centered in the ring area, and mm-hmm. they would have had to find some different things to do with with uh, with the arena there in Tampa. I think the pirate ship would have been involved. <laughs> I know Kevin right. Owens uh, spoke out today that you know he was looking at that as a spot for him to do, and he obviously had to you know, call an audible and he dove off the stage in the performance center. So I I do think it was hurt by that because then they were able to lean on the crutch of like, Oh, let's use the back. Right. Like we don't need the ring. And like edge is one of the most talented performers ever in, in the history of WWE. And to kind of have him have that canvas of, you know, the ring and the, you know, the um, arena with the crowd, I think, he could, and he, he has such a strong connection with the crowd already, right? Like th- that was clear with you know his pop at the Royal Rumble. I think he could have he could have drawn some some interesting stuff with people there. So I do think it was hurt. Are, are you? Do you think the same? Yeah, I, opposite. Yeah, I think the same. I think it would have been a hugely beneficial to have the crowd there. I think also like, I think they would have kind of reacted to fan reaction. Like if the fans were kind of groaning and noticing that it was going too long. I think they would have made the audible to just say, go home. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot of benefits to having a crowd because I I mean, wrestlers talk about this all the time. Like you could tell like if, if a match is going over that like things are working, you can just tell based off the crowd. And sure. if the crowd is not into sure. it, they can make the audible saying like, let's just go home. Yep. Like it's not working. Let's just get out of this. So I, I think having the crowd would have been hugely beneficial for them. Um, it's kind of a shame because we were all really looking forward to this match because the build was phenomenal. It was um, the best told story going into into WrestleMania, yeah. and so that's what that's what really disappointed me is because sure. I was so looking, I was looking forward to this match so much. So, um, yeah, I hope maybe they they continue the story. Maybe this isn't over. We'll see. Um, but we have to get into the Firefly Funhouse match because oh. that was to me that was the best thing the of the entire weekend. That I, was. I, I'm I'm amazing. So, I'm so glad that we were zooming during this match because I don't think it, <laughs> I would have I don't think I would have had the full experience if I was just watching it by myself, um, and like with a with another like Mark basically right like my <laughs> wife was watching it I couldn't see her face because uh, she, she was um she was like in front of me in the room but my God they uh, so what was funny was the minute Cena comes out the first thing. <laughs> You said was wait a minute are they doing this in the ring super pissed already i was legit mad yeah like, legit mad and then uh, it, and then it turned so quickly and it turned incredibly uh and th- like look i thought they knocked the boneyard match out of the park I, I don't know how you go two for two in these kind of matches because the bar had already been raised right inherently after last night for this type of match they took it to 11 as the uh, as as the Spinal Tap movie would say, right? Nick, because they there was shit in there that I I couldn't have called ever, 
it, like the NWO. Oh my god, the NWO stuff. The NWO re- reference, the all, ruthless aggression. All the callbacks the- to Cena were amazing. Like his his the callbacks to his, the certain points of his career that defined him. Uh, Bray Wyatt Bray doing, doing the Bella dance. Oh. Like, come on. Like whoever wrote that, I know a lot. I know Bray had a, a huge hand in that. But sure. Whoever wrote that deserves so much credit. Whoever produced it deserves a ton of credit. Um, that was, and, and to be honest, Cena deserves a lot of credit because not a lot of people in he bought in would buy in. He completely that. Like, that bought is, in. That is so huge, and I think that validates Bray Wyatt even more. Is that you have one of the greatest of all time buying into your idea yep. and going into it a hundred and ten percent, like. He did everything. He played all his characters. He jobbed. Like, that is a sign to me that not only does he believe in Bray Wyatt, but, like, the people in power believe in Bray Wyatt now. Like, I know that we had, we were all really, really angry when he dropped the belt to Goldberg. But this, to me, made up for it because that was so innovative and so unique. It was incredible, yeah. It was bonkers. And to do that on WrestleMania was abs- like just i've never seen anything like that I've, i was at a loss for words i could not could not stop laughing uh, yeah, for for those of you who uh follow us on twitter or follow either of us on twitter check out our reaction videos those are not doctored we did not plan that ahead of time that was that was just us watching it i was recording just in case we had that kind of re- i literally recorded the whole show and that was the only I think it's like 12 seconds of us reacting to that was the only usable video or because it was the most authentic reaction that both of us had kind of at the same time. It was it was absolutely incredible. And, you know, on Friday, it was really interesting, too, because Cena had actually I don't know if you saw this. He cut like a, almost like a shoot promo of him saying like he's sick and tired of guys like Bray Wyatt complaining that they needed a second chance or getting them getting a second chance. And WWE right. like deleted this. They they cleared it from the archives. You can't even find it anymore. Someone, I guess, had screenshotted it or you know record, screen recorded it or whatever. But, um, you, you know th- that build. Like I, I know the Edge Orton build was phenomenal. This match actually ended up probably being the second best built leading into it. But this just delivered Crazy, on another like the, level. The announcement for it was so dull, right? And we had talked Very about this on dull. the pod like yeah. prior, like. The announcement was terrible, yep. but the build actually after that was great, and that's in large part due to Bray Wyatt just being a fucking genius. Like that is, is he is so good, man. He is he is freakishly I mean, good. We've talked about this over and over and over again, but this guy is one of the best character wrestlers I've seen in my lifetime. Yep. He is so goddamn good and gifted. Um, it was talked about in the FCW. Uh, documentary when they were talking about the promo class and they were like, yeah, yeah Ray Wyatt just blew us out of the water. Like Absolutely. He is head and shoulders above everybody else. And this shows that he has a creative mind for the business that not a lot of people have. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was something that you wouldn't have seen from Vin- Vince allowed to happen five years ago. And Absolutely. now he's realizing like, we gotta, we gotta do some other things. And this, like, to be honest, this wasn't even really a match. There wasn't much time in a ring. Like right. it was just storytelling. And it was interesting and bizarre. And it made me care about Bray Wyatt more than anything. Yeah. And man, again, just blown away. I I thought that they couldn't top last night because I thought last night was one of the best segments they've put together in years. And 
to have that back to back again it's just super super impressive i know it's it's a weird time and who knows if that match is the way it is with a live crowd like i don't know if they're put in that position where they have to do something like this maybe probably not honestly this no is... because like remember when they did what match was it when it was in san jose and it was uh bray wyatt randy orton and they did it like pre-taped and they showed it in the uh in the arena oh the um the match where like the worms came out or like the the screen the the stuff on the ring no that was the wrestlemania match but it was like it was like a random match oh yeah, yeah. in a in a house sure yeah yeah uh, where he bur- was that where Wharton burns it down yes yeah uh like that was i think that was a ch- chance when they were like oh let's do a pre-tape and that was right in the the height of like the final deletion sure so i think they were trying to like get onto that yeah and it just didn't go over well especially with the live crowd yeah um i don't think either one of those matches the boneyard or the firefly funhouse match happen if this is live at raymond james i think yeah. they're normal matches and they're both duds um so this is but, i mean that's what that's crazy even to say is that wwe benefited <laughs> from from you know that event the live event being canceled because it, yeah. you know, on the surface, that should have been a nightmare. And yeah, because like, imagine if Taker Styles happens in real time. It's not it's, the same. It's awful. Yeah. And imagine if this match happens. It's probably okay, but it's not even close to what they did. Tonight. Sure. So yeah. like, I think yeah, they definitely benefited from the fact that they probably had to think about things on the fly, and they came together with two really incredible ideas. Um, so let's shift gears. We can talk probably about for for an hour, hour and a half about <laughs> yeah. that Firefly Funhouse yeah. match. But let's shift gears to the main event which was really, really underwhelming in my my eyes, which was Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar, which is, just ended up being both guys throwing their finishers at Spamming each other. Spamming finishers finally, the whole time. Drew McIntyre coming out on top. Yeah. I I mean, look, ev- everyone who listens to this show is very aware of my feelings towards Brock. And just, it, 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 I think I've come to realize it's not even Brock anymore. It's just like Brock matches. Um, and I know that, you know, he he's a hell of a seller and ultimately he he sells tickets and beating him is a big deal but most of the matches just end up kind of in this wheelhouse right it's like yep. a few minutes long spam the moves and, and it's like you tweak the formula a little bit but it's ultimately the same and like we i think we all knew drew was gonna win like they aired his freaking 24 last night after night one right like right. they were grooming him to be the next guy and he was m- far more capable of a better match than what they presented. And both, like, to be fair, both of them are. Yeah. Like, a lot of people true. like we talk shit about Brock and, and his matches, but I don't think that's on him. I think that's a large part due to creative, not knowing what to do with him and just allowing him to be like beast Brock and do the same moves. Cause like they get over, but like he, if you put him in a 10 to 12 minute match, which he can easily do, he does decent work. Like he can sell, he could tell a story. And I think there was an opportunity to do that with drew. And they just were like, all right, we got two meaty men slapping meat. Let's, let's just have them do their, their finishers and like hit each other with the hardest things they can. It's like, I, they really just missed an opportunity to put together a really solid match. Uh, It felt like they were like, Oh shit, we have no idea what to do. There's no crowd. Like, I wonder if like Brock just didn't care. Like, which is like, which is like that's not out of his character necessarily, right? For him to just kind of mail it in, like if he sees there's no crowd out there, like is he incentivized to give his a game? I don't know, and maybe 
maybe I'm a little bit too into or I listen too much to that John Moxley interview where he talks about you know his match with Brock, which ended up being a WrestleMania train wreck um, a little bit, and just like Brock not being receptive if he wasn't fully bought in. And mm-hmm. maybe if this like we we talked about with Cena and Bray how that match benefited from no crowd. This match did not benefit from no crowd. Like it needed a crowd. It needed a crowd in the worst way. It needed a crowd. Yeah, because like Brock, you know, when he when he hits when he takes someone to Suplex City or he hits F5s, the crowd just ramps up, right? Every mm-hmm. time. Like the he's very reliant on that. Drew also in his new babyface persona, you know, him counting down into the Claymore kick, very, very reliant on the crowd. And it, it was just a bummer that, like, Drew, uh, you and I caught, like, we, we're almost entering our one-year anniversary of the show, by the way, and thank you, everyone, for listening. But, like, we've been saying this from the beginning that Drew was on, like, a world title trajectory. And it's just mm-hmm. unfortunate that, you know, it kind of, it, that it had to happen with no crowd because I think it, if it did happen, like, the reaction he got when he won the Rumble, that would have been... 10 times yeah it would have been like tenfold larger like could you imagine the reaction to the crowd when he hit that first claymore like out of nowhere bonkers like the crowd would have popped like crazy the crowd would have went bonkers when he kicked out at one on the first f5 like that shit just would have like elevated that match because then like then they're working with heat and then they're like really reacting and maybe brock is doing a little bit more maybe they're changing things up like that's when they really benefit from a crowd. And this one just felt like, all right, we're going to go out. Like it felt like they literally talked in the back for two minutes. Like, all right, we're going to go out. I'm going to hit you with three F fives. And then you're going to hit me with three claymores. And we're going to go home. Boom, right. That's it. It, it felt like, like, it felt like a, um, a wrestling video game where just the finishers are already stored in. Right. <laughs> and you're just hitting L one or yep. left bumper. You know, I don't want to leave out my PS4 or Xbox users, but um, <laughs> that's what it just, it really felt like it was a bummer. And, but that being said, the right guy is now holding the WWE title. Right. The booking decision was great. Like sure. Putting the belt on, on Drew was the right call. Man, I, I, and I feel for him, too, because he has that moment where he's holding the belt at the top of the ring or uh, uh, when he's on the on the ring post and there's nothing. Like, could you imagine at WrestleMania, Raymond James, fireworks going off, crowd going nuts. Just missed out on that moment. It really, it really sucks. It, um, it really does. But so, okay, which is a great segue into the next question I have for you. And I think I know the answer because I already know mine. So night one, this is the first WrestleMania with, you know, two nights, night one, night two, which night did you like better? Uh, night one. Yes. Uh, night one just stood out to me. There wasn't any moment where I felt like this was like, it was dragging. This one felt like night one, they're the same length and time, but night one felt like so much more crisp. This one felt like it was a slog in a lot of time uh, in a lot of areas. Um, obviously, I think uh, Firefly Funhouse is the greatest thing to, to happen this whole weekend. Sure, but overall, night one was just top to bottom. It was great. I think night one. I, I agree with you. I, th- I I do like night one better. I think night one had the advantage of low expectations. Right after yep. night one, the bar just kind of inherently rose, and you know, I do think the. They could have divided the matches a little bit different. Like, I think Seth KO could have been tonight. You could have moved, like, Alistair Lashley to Saturday. You could have done just, like, Raw and SmackDown. 
Like right. Just had like just kind of one was all raw, night like divvying it up a little bit differently. Anyway, I agree with you. Night one, night two. My my second question for you is: Should they do this moving forward? Should WrestleMania just be a two night event moving forward? Yes, and I have an, a, a bit of a tweak here. Okay. So two nights, but only one night live. The first night should be something like the Boneyard match in Firefly Funhouse, where they incorporate pre-taped matches um, for one to get more talent involved, but also to allow more creativity. Sure. That stuff that they did was so much better than what they did in the ring, to be honest with yeah, you. Like, there was a lot of good stuff in the ring, but like yeah. the Boneyard match and, and the Firefly Funhouse were so far ahead of everything else that it was that I just want to see that more in the future. And I would love to see them do like, they could still do NXT on Saturday night and then followed up with like a, a two hour special of like WrestleMania preview or something like that. Like they can come up with a better name or like uh WrestleMania opening night and have pre-taped matches with some craziness involved. And then you get into like the good shit the next day. Um, and that's so a, I'm all for, that's a great I'm point for two nights. I, you mean, I mean, I think with everything going on at, all that had slipped my mind. Like they had no Hall of Fame, no takeover, so that already cleared up an extra night. So I don't know. Maybe move that shit one day earlier. Move the Hall of Fame to Thursday. Move takeover to Friday, and then a two night WrestleMania. Like I mean, maybe maybe I'm just saying that because I'm a prisoner of the moment, and and I know we're going to WrestleMania 37 in LA next year. Like I don't know how you can justify doing two nights with a live crowd because there's going to be a lot of people that are like. You don't know if you're going to, if you go to one night versus the other, you may be mad that you miss out on something. Sure. Uh, or like there may be higher demand for one night versus the other. So that's why I was thinking like the first night could literally be something where there's no crowd. It's literally just pre taped stuff, like where you have pre taped matches, like a Boneyard match, a Firefly Funhouse, uh, uh, Final Deletion, something along those lines where you have people watching the network and interacting with your content. Um, outside of like live events and then you have something else the next night um you can just make it a little bit more interesting that's my take but um yeah, yeah. I, I mean if they wanted to do it two nights live i'd go to both nights live but i just <laughs> it would yeah. not be beneficial for my pocketbook that's Ab- sure. absolutely um well i mean look this is a snagger episode so i don't want to take too long because we'll i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll talk more about everything that's going on on our, on our regular show our, our next show by the way is our one year anniversary show we're we're uh we're figuring out some big stuff for you guys. Thanks for hanging with us for an entire calendar year, which is that's wild. Wild and to think did about. Like over sixty shows, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've uh we've we've been banging them out, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. This WrestleMania experience ended up being. I remember last year we recorded our first ever episode after WrestleMania thirty five, and we had watched the entire card. It was literally seven hours. And you and I had that moment toward the end of the card. We were like, are we really going to record? We were both exhausted. (laughs) We had had so much beer at that point, (laughs) Um, but we ended up doing it. And it's, we've been doing it ever since. And you know, this is, this has been an insane amount of fun. We're adding the video aspect now, as you can see. Um, And you know, we've got more fun changes on the way that we'll announce um, on, on the one year anniversary show. But in the meantime, please, 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 download subscribe and rate our podcasts on apple podcasts uh or spotify wherever you download your podcasts but again if you're one of our apple podcast users hit us with that five-star rating and leave a review 
and make sure you follow us on social. You can follow us at Two Jabronis Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Jeremy A. Loss. You can follow Ben at Cruise Control. That's Control the K. And thank you to everybody who's been listening to us for a year. It's been a huge pleasure doing this and a whole, whole bunch of fun. Um, so yeah, make sure you follow us on social, interact with us, um, and let's let's keep this thing moving for the next year. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Hope everyone had a great WrestleMania weekend. Don't be a jabroni. Stay home, wash your hands, and we will talk to you soon. Peace. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>